Hallelujah. Let's just worship Him for a moment. Clap your hands, raise your hands, whatever you want to do, I don't care. Just talk to God for a moment. Hallelujah. Surround us in this place, oh God. Thank you for your spirit, Jesus. I worship you. Thank you for your love. Hallelujah. Thank you for your life-changing love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Janine. I'm so thankful I know in whom I have believed. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. It's a special time of the year right now. Uh, At least in Christendom, that is. This is uh, uh, a very sobering week. Today is what they call Palm Sunday. Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And in preparing for this message today, for whatever reason, I wasn't finding a, a direct path to go down. And something within me was just saying, you know what? Read the Word. So, I'm not going to be, you know, come to you with enticing words and use my usual eloquent speech that I'm, that you're so used to me hearing me speak in. Everyone's laughing at that because they know I'm not eloquent. But we're going to read the four accounts of this Palm Sunday. I'm going to start. I'm going to, we're going to just go through the first three, Matthew, Mark, Luke. When you leave here, I want you to know what Palm Sunday is all about. And I hope that there's something else that you can take away from this because we'll be getting deeper into it uh, momentarily. But if you have your Bibles, the guys in the back can get Matthew 21. This is recorded in all four Gospels. um, And they're all just a little bit different. So like cameras from a different angle. And they all have... They, they have a few similarities leading up to this, uh, leading up to the, the triumphal injury, uh, entry, injury, soon to be, the triumphant in, entry, or Palm Sunday. Matthew 21, 1, probably having some, if you have your Bibles, says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt, a foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. It says, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? 
And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And we'll go to Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Says it this way. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, wherein never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye, that, uh, say ye that the Lord hath, hath need of him, and straightway he will send him thither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without, uh, without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? They were confused. And they said unto, unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. They obviously knew. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strayed them, strawed them uh, in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, Luke nineteen twenty-eight, Luke says it this way. It says, When he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, this starting in verse 28, by the way, not at the start of the chapter. He sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tide, whereon yet never a man sat. Loose him, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, says the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And I love this last, these last two verses that Luke adds here. It says, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. In other words, how can, they let, how can you let them call you this? Jesus was quick to reply. He said, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. In other words, they were doing the right thing at the right time. I don't want no stone taken away in my worship. Amen? I, I want to be giving Jesus the right praise at the right time. Amen? In John, we see a different start to his entry. In John, Jesus had just got done raising Lazarus from the dead. And he's heading to a dinner with some of the people that he loved, with Lazarus and his family. 
He knows what's ahead of him. He knows of the passion that he will have to show. He knows what he has to look forward to, but he has to stop. He has to have this dinner. There's a few things that have to happen before this takes place. John chapter 12, verse 1 starts it in this, this way. It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. It says, But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. I just want to stop there for a second, because this is a profound thing that Mary was doing. I'm sure that there was a part of her that was saying, you know, I probably should be helping my sister. I mean, I don't know if you've ever hosted a party. And I'm sure that when you hosted a party for Jesus, there was a lot of people. There was a pretty decent-sized crowd. And I don't blame Martha for doing what she was doing. She saw the need, and she wanted to fulfill that need. But Mary understood, I think, that this may be the last time. She saw what was important. And she was going to do that by, one, spending, using something that was of very great value on the one that she felt worthy of it. Jesus was the ministry. He he was the church. He started. He, he you know he's the he's the foundation of the church, and there are, is work that needs to be done. But it's okay to just sit and worship at the feet of Jesus. There's something that he appreciates when people will take time and just spend time using their glory, using what God gave them to worship him, both in monetary value and in time spirit value does that make sense because the bible says that then saith one of his disciples judas iscariot simon's son which should betray him why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence that was expensive ointment and she used it to clean his feet and she didn't even have a towel she had to use her hair. I would have just given him a good shining if I would have done that because I ain't got no hair. So I would have just been like a, I would have just done like a, probably would have, what do they use to like get the calluses off the heel? I would have just been doing that on Jesus' feet. Probably would have tickled his feet or something. I don't know. Yeah, I would have been rubbing off the bunions. But the Bible says that this he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief 
and had the bag and bear what was put therein. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept uh, bury, bur- burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. It's okay to invest in the ministry. Amen. I know that when it comes to the pocketbook, people kind of. I know because I do sometimes as well. But the reality is, is it is that it takes it to fulfill the ministry. And the amazing thing about Christ is that about God is that He won't. He doesn't let that go unnoticed. Amen. Because I guarantee you that the most generous of the givers are the most blessed in the church. Not that they don't have problems, but they, they have an understanding of, of, of give and you shall receive. Amen? Give with a happy heart. Because when Mary was doing this, she, she didn't care what the value of that ointment was. She was just glad that she had something to cleanse the sacrifice. And that's really what was happening. Is that she was cleansing or washing the sacrifice that was about to take place. The reality is, is that there is so much more to this life than money. For see, no other gospel records this gathering with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But two Gospels, Mark and Luke, record a different meeting. Luke actually records both, but Mark just focuses on the rich young ruler. Luke adds in a little man named Zacchaeus. And I say little because he literally was little, apparently. A little man. If you were in a life group, we had this, we talked about this in our, in our life group. But... The whole point of these, two, of these two examples, and I don't know if you're familiar with the rich young ruler, I'm sure most of you are, but if you're not, this rich young ruler, this, this man of esteem who knew the law, understood the law, had a, had a, a good heart, I, I'm sure of it, he wanted to know what else he had to do to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus looked upon him, he had compassion on him. He loved him. He wanted him to receive the true meaning of the gospel. He wanted him to make it to heaven. But he knew that he was holding on to something. There was something that was just a little bit higher than than God. And he tells him the one thing. I I know. I I just got it. I bet that it doesn't it doesn't say his name. Just he's a rich young ruler. I know he was just thinking, oh, please, just don't. He in his mind, he's like, don't say the one thing I know you're going to say. Don't say it. I know you're going to say it. I do all. I do so much. I'm so good. I, 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 I help people. I know the lie. I don't lie. I don't covet. I don't steal. I don't, I've never murdered anybody. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I take care of, you know, I take care of squirrels that are paralyzed. I take care of all these things that... I do all these things. And Jesus said this. What did he say? He said, go. Sell everything you have and follow me. 
He was offering him something so much greater than anything this life could ever be purchased, that could ever buy. And what did he do? He walked away sorrowfully because that was the one thing he wasn't willing to give up. And then we have Zacchaeus, who was a publican, who was a tax collector, who was, I mean, I don't know... uh, I'm pretty sure people who work for the IRS don't go around shouting and saying, I work for the IRS. Because people who work in taxes are just not fun people to be around. Because you know, we just don't like it when they just take our money. But the one thing about Zacchaeus was that he was honest. It says that he gave, a, he gave any money that was taken unwillfully, he gave it back. He gave to the poor. He did all these things because that wasn't what was, that wasn't, that didn't rule his heart. He could have been even wealthier than he was, but he just wanted to be closer to Jesus. Amen? It's not about the money. It's about our relationship with Christ. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that I got that revelation because it can get easy. It's easy to get caught up in that stuff. Um, but my God is bigger than that. It goes on in, in chapter 12, verse 9. It says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, being um, Jesus. And they came not for... Oh, they knew that Lazarus was there. Excuse me. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. See, there's something about miracles. Amen? I, I mean, it's just defying the, uh, those things that, that seem... Uh, should be impossible. Uh, working in the medical field, you know, doctors just don't like to admit it. That sometimes there are unexplainable phenomenons. Things that, and, and that's what I love about stuff that's documented because you, that stuff doesn't lie. You know, people would like to cover it up and say this and that, but when a miracle happens, it draws people, it catches people's attention. Amen? But the other aspect of miracles is that it doesn't keep people. Don't get me wrong. Miracles are great. I believe that, that, that we are living in the same dispensation as they were back then, and we, we have the same power through the Holy Ghost to rebuke those things and see those things flee. Amen? But that can't be all that it's about because that won't keep them. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 3. We, we, we just had an, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We just had the day of Pentecost. We saw the, the disciples get filled. Peter preached to the thousands, and, and, and they received it and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and Peter uttered those timeless words of, of repent and be baptized. Each, you know, the full revelation of, of, what God was, of what Jesus was trying to preach. Be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Hello. We should be happy about that verse. Amen. Woo, let's wake up. Shake it a little bit, man. Take your hand. Go like this. Wave to me. All right. There we go. I'm trying not to be boring, but it, I'm just trying to get this point across. That in Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John walking. 
just like you and I would be walking. But it wasn't by coincidence, for they were going at a certain hour to the temple to pray where everybody was at. And there was a guy there that I know they had seen multiple times because the Bible says everybody that they knew him because he was there begging. And of course, most of us know the story. He asked them for silver and gold, but obviously they did not have any. They went to church. Hello. But they had something better. And that's what, that's what they were quick to point out. Amen? Because the Bible says that they reached down, picked him up, and because of their faith, he received strength in his legs, and he went, what? Walking and leaping and praising God. But what's more important is that this same man heads into the temple, gets everyone's attention because it was a miracle. But the Bible says that Peter then takes that opportunity to preach Jesus to them. And it says that by the end of that, over 5,000 received that preaching. Amen? That's what it's about. Jesus. We talked about it in our life group a little bit, that the, the greater miracle, the greater testimony, is what God can do to a man or a woman's heart and see a life that gets changed Someone that comes in and you can tell that they just have the filth of the world all over them. And they spend some time here and God washes them and cleanses them. And they continue to stay stay, uh, faithful. And it's like a a new person over time. It's amazing. There's no other place where, where, where we can see that to that extent. Amen? And it's because, God, that is the greatest miracle is someone's heart being dedicated and given to Christ. And see, the important people know this. Satan knows this. Because it says in the very next verse, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he represented Jesus Christ. He was the miracle says, because by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Jesus knew that this was going to happen. He wasn't shy about the fact that his preaching would, wouldn't be accepted by the masses. In fact, he warned that his followers would quite possibly have to endure some things. It's just how it is. And I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful that I live in the United States of America because we have a lot of freedoms we 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 don't have to endure the things that they're enduring through the persecution that Christians are going through right now in fact i don't know if you saw in the news but there were some churches in egypt that got bombed today by isis they 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 took the the they claimed those killed dozens of people all right so this is the reality that we're living in today we just don't see it in this side of the this part of the country but the what's going on here is different it's more it's 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 like a, a current that's flowing that, that's below the level that, that we don't see and feel uh, physically, but it's there. There's a, a weakening of the spirit, the, the prosperity gospel, these types of things that are water, watering down, diluting what Jesus wanted them to preach. But he said in Matthew 10, 22, he says, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But... I preached a message one time at ABI, and I, I, uh, 
I never, they never let me live it down. I think I might have said this before, but I, I was preaching something and I, and I said, but, man, I love that word, but. We do these chapel cards every time we preach, and man, oh, I got lit up. It was, I think that, that, I think that was on my graduation, some of my graduation stuff, because they just thought that was so funny. It says, but he that endureth to the end shall what? Be saved. Amen? Because that's what matters. And right after they, they, they are conspiring against Lazarus, it jumps right into the triumphal entry. It says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, that was there at the dinner, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, and they have some palms over here. They took these branches, and we read about it in the previous books. And they also laid their garments down. And they did this in respect and honor to those that, to kingly uh, uh, um, people. They, they did this out of honor, out of respect to someone that was at, of a higher, a higher level, a higher place. And they didn't just put those down, but they cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. See, the people truly believed that. This was a psalm that the Jews regarded as a prophecy of the coming Messiah. The psalm was 118.26. It said this, Blessed be, what do you think it says? He that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. They believed that this was their king. The prophecy was coming to pass. And it didn't stop there. It says, And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. And Zechariah 9, 9 says it this way. This is what they're referring to. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Now remember, this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before this ever took place. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass and upon a colt of a foal of an ass. This wasn't the first time that Israel desired a king, by the way. Just want to throw this out there and make sure you guys are aware. Okay? Because God never wanted them to have an earthly king. It says, Now therefore, behold the king whom ye have chosen, and ye have desired, and behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. This is 1 Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel 12, 13. Has set a king, the Lord hath set a king over you. It said, If ye will fear the Lord, and serve him, and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. And we skip down to, uh, to verse 24. It says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. God did not want them to have an earthly king. They had, he had judges, prophets, 
uh, these things set up so that way he could be the true king, that they would look to him instead of a man. And Samuel warns them that, you know what, he's going to take your land. He's going to take your people. All these things are going to happen. We don't care. We want a king. We want that protection. At least that's what they thought. And you can read all of the kings if you want to. You can read all the chronicles. You can hear all the wonderful things that occurred during that time. I'm being facetious because there was a lot of bad things that happened. We all know what happened to Saul. They did get David. Thank God for that. But that wasn't God's plan. That's not what he, what he wanted. Um, but here we are, full circle. And they were waiting for this prophecy because they, these things had been foretold. They, they knew that this just had to be the time. This had to be it. That's why they're crying out, Here is our king. In the name of the Lord, he's coming. He's going to set us free, finally. We've got to understand how the Jews were thinking. They, they truly believed that, that God was going to come down and rescue them from the grips that they were in Rome, that, that, that the, Rome, uh, the Roman Empire had on them at that time. Because the next verse says this in, in John chapter 12. It says, These things understood not his disciples at the first. They didn't understand it. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. It says, The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle. Gives us a little glimpse there of what the disciples realized after Jesus Christ was glorified. That that there was going to be this moment in time where they were going to look back and it was going to be both of, of guilt, sadness, but at the same time that revelation of who he really was was going to bring joy. Amen? Tom Barnard writes this. The crowd was clueless. They never got it right. They shouted praises, and Jesus wept. They looked for a warrior king riding a white stallion. They got a carpenter riding a donkey. They wanted hype. They got a healer. They wanted a prophet. They got one who fulfilled prophecy. They wanted a scepter, but they got a savior. They got nothing they asked for, but everything they needed. Only they never got it. They were clueless. Jesus was the only one there who really knew what was happening on that first Palm Sunday. It's so easy to become like those people in Jerusalem. We think we know what's going on, but we really don't have a clue. We have a bad week and we blame God. Our kids act out and we blame the school. We work two jobs and wonder why things aren't better at home. Jesus comes to our town and he wants to help, but we don't recognize him for who he is. We think he will be impressed with our boats and our businesses and our stuff, but he's not. All he wants is our hearts. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. 
See, we want Jesus to solve our earthly problems. The Jews truly thought the Messiah would sit on an earthly throne, would free them from the bondage that they were currently under. But they just walked, you know, they, they didn't see him for who he was. Maybe there's someone that's walked away from the truth. See, they were lying down palms, uh, singing praises of their Messiah that they felt they had been waiting for. But in just five short days, they did the unthinkable. How quickly, five days, they would turn their backs on him. For just five short days later, even his disciples, even Peter, would deny that they ever knew him. But they were just hailing him as king, and yet they've already denied him. It took five days. They were welcoming him with open arms, practically worshiping him for who they thought he was. They had seen the miracles. They had witnessed the healings and heard his teachings and that they were still blind to what his true mission was. For all they could do was look upon him with carnal eyes, earthly eyes, eyes that were bound by the present, bound by right now. But Jesus had something so much better in store. Something that actually mattered. Something that would not last for a temporary moment, but would last for all of eternity. For he was going to offer what I feel was the greatest thing is, and that's even though these people denied him, even though these people crucified him, even though these people spat in his face, mocked him, ridiculed him, there was still a chance for mercy. Amen? We may not have physically spat in Jesus' face. We may not have ridiculed him or mocked him, but our lifestyles have said differently. The life that we came from says differently. But I'm so thankful that it doesn't matter what we've done up to this point. If you've been living for God, doing his will, enjoying his presence, that's awesome, and I wouldn't change that for the world. But if you have walked away, if you're not living right with God, I can tell you today that that it is never too late to experience the joy. The thing that I love about Jesus Christ is the intangibles. Yes, there's things that I, I wish that I had here. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm gonna get a little carnal here for a second, but I drive by the Audi store all the time, and I just tell Janine. Maybe we'll just sell my cars and I'll, and I'll get an Audi. And then, of course, you know, she doesn't like my jokes, so she tells me, you know, that that's not going to happen. And I know that it's not going to happen, but, but that's not what truly matters, right? Because when we boil down to what matters is those intangible things, those things that, that people with money, that people with fame, that people with prestige, that they desire, there's a reason why, they, why they, they, they have depression. There's a reason why those things, why they commit suicide. There's a reason why it's because they don't have joy. They don't have peace. They don't have love, meekness, kindness, long-suffering. They can't suffer for very long. That's why we got to have Jesus, because whoever you are, there's going to be some suffering. And we got to have Jesus. And that's what he was giving us. That's what he gave us. Amen? When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, I love that song, how he picked me up, turned me around, 
I wasn't walking on solid ground before then. When I moved to L.A., I was not anywhere near God. I was the farthest that I had ever been. But I found a place where I could come to an altar and ask for his forgiveness. And he was there waiting just like the father was waiting for his son to come back pleading for his son to come back but he wasn't going to go get him his son had to find out for himself but as soon as he came running into him everything was restored his life was restored I have an illustration and I'm getting ready to close says the donkey awakened his mind still savoring the afterglow of the most exciting day of his life never before had he felt such a rush of pleasure and pride he walked into town I could just see it found a group of people by the well I'll show myself to them I don't do a good donkey impression but they didn't notice him they went on drawing their water and paid him no mind Throw your garments down, he said crossly. Don't you know who I am? They just looked at him in amazement. I mean, I doubt they understood what the donkey was saying, but whatever. Someone slapped him across the tail and ordered him to move. Get out of here, donkey. You miserable heathens, he muttered to himself. I'll just go to the market where the good people are. They will remember me. But the same thing happened. No one paid any attention to this donkey. As he strutted down the main street in front of the marketplace, nobody cared. The palm branches. Where are the palm branches, he shouted. Yesterday you threw palm branches. I don't get nothing. I get slapped. And, you know, they just do to donkeys when I'm not a normal donkey. He was hurt and confused. And he returned home to his mother. And I know he was just looking for some, you know, He's going to console him and you know make him feel better. But all she could say was, You foolish child. She said gently. Don't you realize that without him, you're just an ordinary donkey? See, just like this donkey who carried in Jesus to Jerusalem, we are most fulfilled when we are in the service of Jesus Christ. Without him, all of our best efforts are like filthy rags and amount to nothing. But when we lift up Christ, however, we are no longer ordinary people. Amen? But key players in God's plan to redeem the world. Verse 19 is my last verse in in this same chapter of the triumphal entry. I guess I thought it was so awesome. It says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, and themselves perceive ye how ye prevail nothing behold the world is gone after him we have something today that this world needs jesus says it best he says i am the door by me if any man enter you can stand he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture
He continues and says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. He closes by saying, No man taketh it from me. I'm so glad he did this. He says, But I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Studying for this, reading about, reminding myself of what Christ did, of what our God did for me. I was humbled. I was, I just kind of rekindled that. The, 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 the soberness of what this week really means, of what really happened a little over 2,000 years ago. You can believe it or you don't have to believe it, but it happened. And he wasn't forced. He pleaded. He cried sweats of, you know, sweat drops of blood because he was praying so hard. But it was his cup to bear. And I'm so thankful that he bore that cup. Because of that, we have a chance at redemption. We have a chance to taste of something that is greater than anything we'll ever taste, and that's eternal life, that's salvation, that's a home away from this home. Amen. We're here for just a moment, right? Isn't that, it, sometimes it can feel like a while, but in reality, we are just a vapor. But with Christ, with Jesus, it's more than that. He loved us so much that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. We're here today. I am of the firm belief that there is no better time than the present because you can't step into the future and you can't go back to the past, but you're here, I'm here, and most importantly, Jesus Christ is here. And where He is, like I started with, anything is possible. If you need a touch from Him, if you just want to talk with Him, if you want to sit in your seat, if you want to come to this altar, whatever you want to do, just thank Him for what He did on this day. Thank Him for getting on that colt, that donkey, for riding that into the town, sealing His fate, that five days later, He would bear the stripes. He would bear the ridicule. He would be unrecognizable so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for sin. And all he, all he requires of us is to walk through that door that He has opened already and to repent and to surrender our life to Him. And He says that His burden is light because he's the master of those intangible things that I talked about already. So close your eyes.
let's just spend a moment talking to him. We're going to sing a song. We're going to eat in a few minutes. But for just a moment, wherever you're at, let's just talk to God for a moment. And I know I say it, I'm like a broken record, but I feel like I can't tell myself enough that Jesus desires that intimate conversation. That is what he ultimately created us for, was for that relationship with each and every one of us. And for a long time, that relationship was severed. That connection was severed. But when when Jesus came onto the scene, and when he was the willing sacrifice, the willing lamb that was slain, that blood was shed it reconnected man I I can only imagine what that must have been like for God to to reestablish what he had wanted from the beginning and that's just to talk and be with his creation with us Yes, let me remember Calvary's cross. 
Let's just sing this song for a moment.
praise Him. Just like Mary wanted to worship and praise Him. I want to praise Him with my life. I want my life to worship Him. That's why today we're just lingering a little bit, just giving Him some of the praise He's so worthy of. Some estimate that cost of ointment to be a year's wages. She took a year's wages and poured it on His feet. An entire year of work and she poured it on His feet because she valued Him. Lord, there's none like you, Jesus. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. will love me like he does. No one else can give us peace like Jesus. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for
today to just let it settle over us what he actually did for us and throughout this coming week it would be good for us to take some time each day and just really focus on what he did for us this week of the resurrection the the process he went through it's more than just a story and sometimes we hear it so many times we become familiar with it and we don't appreciate it as much as we should but it does us good to take some time and just really focus on it this week really think about the crown of thorns really think about the the whip the cat of nine tails they used and laid across his back and for what he really went through the beating the mocking the scourging the cross and just really think about it throughout this week don't think about it in a, in a morbid way or a weird way but think about it as no greater love has any man than this than that a man lay down his life for his friends amen nobody I'm thankful to have a lot of people that love me in my life I'm so blessed with people that love me but truly nobody can love me like Jesus and it's the same for you nobody has ever shown love for you like Jesus or continues daily to show love for you by reaching and loving and drawing you So this week as we close today, let's make up our mind. We're going to set aside some time each day. It doesn't have to be all day long. Just a few minutes here and there. Just say, Lord, I thank you for the cross. And really think about it. Really focus on what it was and what it means in our life. And we'll celebrate together next Sunday. But as as Pastor Ryan, as Brother Ryan was saying, let's, let's think about what he's done it's something to consider thank you for the cross Lord. thank you for the stripes that you took that I could be healed thank you for the nails in your hands the nails in your feet the crown of thorns on your head thank you for bearing the cross I was meant to bear so that I could have life eternal life I could be forgiven I could be set free Amen. Jesus loves us. Amen. Every single one of us. He loves us today. And you're welcome to stay and pray if you'd like. You can join us for a meal if you'd like. For sake of formality, we'll dismiss. But you don't have to leave. You can stay and linger if you want. And if you don't want to linger, be respectful of those who do. Let's make our way out of the sanctuary. Let's hold our conversation until we get out the side of the sanctuary in case somebody wants to stay and pray. Amen. But thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with us today. We love you. Jesus loves you. Amen. Let's worship Him as we leave.